Lions of the game. St George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel. Oh, sleeping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out. He strikes it nicely. St George Illawarra win for the first time in their Premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock down the sideline. Chipping over the top of John Kane. Got a red surface bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Happy New Year, Dragons fans. Welcome to episode 155 of the Red V Podcast and the very first episode for 2023. Hope you're all doing well wherever you're located across this great uh, encompass of land here in Australia or perhaps you're listening overseas. Thanks so much again for joining us over the off-season here as we get closer to the start of the 2023 season. A new year, hopefully some new opportunities for for the Dragons to to maybe cement themselves uh, in the top eight this year or have a bit of success on the field in the the next couple of weeks here on the Red V Podcast. We'll be talking a little bit more uh, about that uh, on January 16. Uh, myself and uh, Curse Woodward will be uh, back reunited uh, together once I'm back in Sydney land and uh, we'll be uh, going through uh, the different positions for the Dragons, previewing uh, what their 1-17 to may look like in season 2023. In replace of the normal programming for the Red V Podcast, we are continuing our off-season uh, in the, on the Red V Podcast and that is uh, including... Uh, chatting to uh, some four players of both the Dragons uh, and the Steelers. And our guest tonight uh, is Josh White, part one of our two-part chat with Josh. Uh, some people probably uh, might not remember the name uh, Josh White. Played sparingly uh, in the New South Wales Rugby League competition uh, between 1993 and 1996. He made a total of 32 appearances, started his career with uh, with the Western Series Magpies and ended it in Australia with, uh, with uh, a, a solitary season uh, with the Illawarra Steelers in 1996. But a really great yarn uh, with Josh, a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful man that, um, yeah, I think is yeah, is someone that's very, very intelligent um, and, uh, yeah, obviously is still keen uh, to be involved in rugby league, still involved in rugby league and still keen to kind of share his thoughts on what his career uh, was like. Josh talks just about uh, growing up in, in grey stains and I guess the, the myriad of, of future um, ARL and NRL players that came from that area, growing up with his his brother Kyle, but also uh, breaking into uh, that first grade rugby league scene after, I guess, coming on the scene a little bit late uh, after after playing soccer in the early portion uh, of his life. Also talks about moving to Western suburbs and also uh, that uh, that meeting that you may have heard of if you, you know um, much about uh, Josh's life, uh, his, his initial meeting meeting with Tommy Rodonikus when Tommy came uh, to the Western Series Magpies as, uh, as first grade coach. Some really great yarns um, and I really do hope you enjoy it here on part one of the Red V podcast. We'll break this up into a two-part chat, uh, part two uh, coming next week on the podcast and uh, they'll talk to him, uh, we'll talk to him a little bit more about his time at the Illawarra Steelers and his time down the South Coast and now what he's doing uh, in his, his post-footy uh, career. A little bit of a different uh, uh, I guess run on things here at the podcast uh, for those that, that don't know I'm actually up on the Sunshine Coast at the moment my wife and her family and next week I'll actually uh, be on a cruise over in New Caledonia so uh, piecing together the podcast a little bit more tricky than uh, than it is when, when I'm based down uh, in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney but um, I really do appreciate everyone that is is tuning in the, the close to 400 people that tuned in to last week's episode no it's a little bit different not necessarily it's 
not not necessarily 2023 Dragons and everything else that's going on because there's been a fair bit of news. But uh, I can assure you that uh, once January 16 runs around and myself and Curtis are reunited, that we'll be back to talking about uh, what is hopefully a, a successful year on and off the field for the Dragons in 2023. But I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's jump into part one of our chat with Josh White here on episode 155 of the Red V Podcast. You're listening to the Red V Podcast, Jack Clifton and Curtis Woodward bring you through everything St. George Elora as we continue through the off-season. We're also continuing our interview series, been chatting with four players from uh, the St. George Dragons, from the Illawarra Steelers and the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And today we're pleased to be chatting with Josh White. Josh played 32 first-grade games across a few seasons with, firstly, the Western Suburbs Magpies. I know that will make uh, Curtis Woodward, my co-host, very, very happy and uh, finished his career in Australia, I guess you could say, with uh, 16 first-grade games for the Illawarra Steelers in 1996. Then had a bit of success over in the UK, playing for three seasons with uh, the London Broncos and also Salford. He's still involved in rugby league, which is great to see. And uh, Josh has been good enough to give us some time this afternoon to, I guess, reminisce about his rugby league days, but also reminisce about uh, his life in rugby league as well. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for jumping on uh, the Red V podcast, mate. We're pretty close to Christmas. How are things travelling at your end? Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me. Um... Yeah, Christmas is coming in thick and fast. So, yeah, you always want to slow down around Christmas, but it seems to get busier and busier as you get older. So, uh, nothing's changed here at the moment. It's just busy as. Josh, to, to kick off our chat, what memories do you have um, of your, your time playing first grade footy, not just in Australia, but also over in the UK? Um, probably for me, it was just a blur because it went so fast. And, um, yeah, like most kids, you, you, everyone's got their aspirations to play first grade, but mm. I never thought I would. And when you get there, it's like it's, everything's going so fast, you just wish it would slow down. Um, but, mate, playing first grade was just the biggest highlight of my career and my, you know, one of my highlights of life, really, because, you know, you put a lot into it and, um, you know, you haven't got much time mm. in it. And then uh, next minute you blink and you're out of it. So um, it was a great time and it was, you know, it was great to finally get to somewhere where you've set a, you know, your life goal to get to, which was uh, play first grade. What was life like for you uh, growing up? What can you tell us about your, your childhood and your family and those kinds of things, Josh? Uh, it's a funny sort of we, I grew up in a place called Greystones up in Sydney, mm. Parramatta, near Parramatta. And out of the little, it was like a new estate sort of thing. We're in this new estate, and I think eight of us ended up playing first grade within oh, the estate. really? No way. <laughs> yeah. So we had blokes like uh, the Kalis brothers. Mm. Um, Mick Gillette from Balmain, Stephen Crouch from Penrith, Dave McLean from Penrith, Paul Gallum was around the area, yeah, Mark wow. Carroll was around the area. So, um, yeah, it was a funny sort of situation was back then, but I think we uh, learned our craft uh, on the field right at the front of my house where every afternoon we played footy and you know, didn't go home till the streetlights come on. Must have been something in the water, Josh, to, to have so many first graders coming from, from the same area. Yeah, it's amazing when you look back, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a big estate either. So mm. there's, um, I think, as I said, a lot has got to do with you know, playing football against each other every afternoon. And, yeah, as I said, there's eight or nine of us that ended up playing first grade at some what, club somewhere. What can you tell us about yeah, your family um, growing up when, when you were young, Josh? Oh, mate, my family's you know, same old. Dad used mm. to work hard. Mum used to work hard. And I've got a brother as well that was, you know, ended up playing first grade as well. So, um, yeah normal life living in Greystone, suburbia of Sydney and uh, yeah did it, did it pretty well it was good went to, I went to Patrician Brothers Fairfield which was good it was a football school um, we ended up you know, my brother and I ended up there which was uh, 
you know, sort of like laid the foundation for playing football at a mm. high level. Mm. And likes of Peter Sterling and Paul Langmack and all those guys and Greg Alexander went to the school. So we all sort of had a bit of a, a path to follow. Was that um, so? So obviously that's not your, your your first kind of foray into into playing organised rugby league. What was uh, what was uh, I guess what was it about the game of rugby league that that drew you to playing? And what are your memories of your I guess early days of, of playing junior footy, Josh? Well, I didn't really want to play football. I played soccer till I was twelve, mm. and um, my uncles all played for Parramatta, and they kept saying, "You got to play footy. You got to play footy." And I kept hitting, you know knocking him back, knocking him back. And then one day my uncle turned around and turned up at my door and said, I've registered to play for Guilford Owls uh, and you start next week. And, you know, being the tough guy I am, I went and cried for about three hours because yeah. I wanted to play soccer. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it sort of went from there. And the junior footy, I mean, I never made a rep side. I was, uh, I was always that kid that was too small and couldn't make it. And I remember one selector at Parramatta told me that I'm too small and it could be a time to get another sport. Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it still goes on. It con- continues on today. That you know, people look at their size, and you know, I was prime example. I never made Harold Matthews. I never made SG Ball. Every school rep side, I used to get right to the last bit and got cut. So, you know, I always say to kids, don't just think because you haven't made mm. Harold Matthews and SG Ball, it's all over. Um, you just got to be, you know, you got to want it, and you got to be persistent and consistent at your training, and anything can happen in the end. Yeah, probably a pretty a pretty good uh, rule to for, for for people that are listening, even aspiring footy players. We I think we see it a lot at the the podcast. If someone hasn't kind of made first grade by the, the age of nineteen or twenty, they seem to be kind of cast aside. But you, you play two or three years of reserve grade, or you spend a couple of years playing jersey flag. The, there are, can be opportunities to, to to pop up, and I guess you're the you're probably the perfect example of that, Josh. Yeah, exactly. Look, you know, I, as I said, I, I've coached a lot of kids in my time, and I say to them, I see that I see the disappointment and the heartache when they do get cut from rep sides, and it's just it's not the be all and end all. Um, you know, you've got to these days it's going a bit higher too. Now it's under twenty one, so mm. you've got that extra couple of years to really crack it. So I, um, yeah, I, you just got to hang in there. The ones that hang in there the longest will make it, but you know, I, I get disappointed with watching a young kid that's got plenty of potential get cut. You know, then they go and pick up a big kid that's 120 kilos that yeah. plays for 10 minutes. You know, I mean that that sort of gets in my skin a bit. But you know, Ryan Pappenhausen's a prime example. You know, he's only small, but see what I wouldn't. You know, I'd sign him any day of the week. Mm. You, we- People that followed your, your first grade uh, career or followed your, your footy career will know that you, you, you spent, I guess, the majority of your, your career in, in the halves. Was that the position or the predominant position that you played um, growing up from under-12s up and, until, I guess, um, open-age footy, Josh? Yeah, I think so. Man, it's like anything. I was the small kid on the field, so they thought he can run and he, he's small, so we'll put him into halfback. So I played halfback virtually from the time I strapped a boot on. Um and I ended up in one. I played hooker one for one half of a game again for Gold Coast, and Martin Bella knocked me out in the scrum, just coming into oh, pack. And I sort of snuck out the back and sort of sat on the ground, thinking, "What am I doing?" And I, uh, I and I was at the Steelers actually. And I said, to "Alan McMahon, never put me in the scrum again." <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't. I don't blame you, Josh. It sounds like a pretty tough initiation. Oh, he's me at a head like a rock. So he got me pretty good. <laughs> You, you spoken before, um, a little bit before that, yeah, you, you didn't get the opportunity to play uh, junior reps like some of the other players, I guess, that you would end up playing first grade um, with. Uh, and I know you also kind of touched on a little bit earlier in the chat that, yeah, that 
you probably didn't think that that first grade playing being a first grade footballer was was something that that you could achieve was there any moment that you thought that you kind of had to pinch yourself when you were playing first grade or when you got selected that this is actually happening yeah exactly like i remember when i was at, i got signed at the bulldogs when i was 17 and um again i just sort of taken heartbreak every year every year and I, I started playing touch football and chris anderson turned up in my house and said you know, what are you doing? Um, and I said, well, I don't think I'll make it in rugby league, so I'm going to play touch. So I virtually quit, and um, he talked me back into it that night to give up one more crack, and lucky I did because I ended up playing first grade, and Chris Anderson had a bit to play with it too because he sort of mentored me for the early years when I was at the Bulldogs and sort of, you know, taught me virtually to be mentally strong, mentally tough. Um, and well, the Bulldogs back then were the, you know, they were the team with all the you know, the tough nuts. So mm. I, got a, I got a good learning curve when I was there at 17. So, um, yeah, and it sort of set me up in the way, way forward and I was going up the grades. What can you tell us about Chris Anderson, the coach? Because his name probably doesn't get mentioned as much anymore, but what he did with the Bulldogs in 1995 when they won the premiership and they kind of, I think they came from seventh or eighth to, to win the comp in the midst of the Super League war. He obviously won the premiership in just the, the second year for for um, for the Melbourne Storm. He coached Australia. I know he's kind of had some some health things and that kind of stuff, but what, what was he like as a coach? I know you, you said he was a bit of a, a mentor. What can you, you tell us about, I guess, Chris Anderson, both the, the coach and also the person? Well, um, I, I've got no problems with Oaks. Um, he was a great bloke to me, great coach for me because I thought I needed it at that time. As I said, I was in the in the midst of sort of giving football away altogether, mm. and he, he was the one that guided me back into it and taught me a lot of things. Just you know, the time we spent together, um, he taught me, you know, as I said, a bit more of the mental game and how to be mentally tough and strong and you know. The setbacks can always harm you, but if you look at it in a positive light, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna reach your goals. But the, you know, Oaks is not everyone's cup of tea. I hear a lot mm. of blokes talk negative about him, um, but again, you know, what he did with a few sides he had was fantastic. I thought, you know, he outcoached himself at some stages, but um, yeah, you know, I still hear stories about you know, some blokes at the Bulldogs that won the comp don't like him, and I'm thinking, well. <laughs> You know, if you win a comp with a coach, it's, yeah. it's like your yeah. it's like your father. So um, I ended up winning a comp at Western Suburbs in the 21s, and our coach Wayne Ellis, I look at him like a you know, second father figure because he was mm. that good to us, and you know we touch base with him all the time. He's getting older now, so we're making sure we're always in touch with you know. And then again, if you win a comp with a coach, it's it's like a it's a bond, it's a family bond. Mm. But yeah, I, I find it hard when I hear blokes really being negative about Opes, but. Yeah, I don't know. He might have changed since I had a lot to do with him, but um, yeah, he was always great to me, and I've got you know, I've never had a drama with him, and I've always liked the guy. You speak about Western Suburbs. You're going to play first grade with West in 1993, but can you tell us a bit? I guess a bit of background before that. How the move to to West um, come, and 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 maybe even a bit about that that under 21s premiership winning side at Western Suburbs, Josh. Yeah, so we're at, my brother and I are at the Bulldogs, and uh, Warren Ryan went to West, and he took a whole heap of Bulldogs players with him. And I think me and my brother were sort of like on the bottom bottom end of the scale, but uh, he asked us to come across as well. So we both went to Western Suburbs. And you know, I was sort of at, I was at a young then, so I still didn't know what was really happening. So I ended up at mm. Western Suburbs. And I didn't start off too well there. And I was playing reserve grade and got dropped. And I really, as I said, I had a bond with this coach in the 21s, Wayne Ellis, his name is a great fella. And... 
I just felt comfortable with him when I was playing, and he um, he mentored us a lot, the whole team, and we ended up a bunch of nobodies out at Campbelltown winning the competition against St George. You had Gordon Tallis, Jason Stevens, mm. Nathan Brown, and we won a comp against all odds. And you know, that's still today. We only had our thirty year reunion the other day. That's how old we are. <laughs> and you know, and every player turned up. Even yeah, we wow. had Steve Kearney. We had Steve Kearney in our side. He was only young then, and he even flew up from Melbourne. Um, and every player turned up to the reunion after you know, thirty years. So, yeah, that was a it was a great time and to be part of. And we partied that hard. I think it took me six months to get over it. <laughs> what was the experience like playing on Grand Final Day? Because that was the that was back in the day where you you had kind of under twenty ones and and reserve grade and and first grade kind of all on the the same day. Unfortunately, Jersey Fleet plays on a a different weekend these days. But what was that experience <laughs> like playing um on Grand Final Day on the on the big stage, Josh? Oh, it was fantastic. Like St. George were hot favourites in all grades. They had all three grades in. So um, for us to get there was, you know, next level. But the funny thing was we got changed at the SCG and had to walk across to oh, wow. the SFS. Yeah, so we're in the – I think I spent most of the time looking at – In if you go into the uh, Australian cricket team's dressing sheds, they've got all signatures on walls and who got 100 at this date and all this sort of stuff. So I spent, I think, the first half here in the sheds just walking around looking at all the memorabilia <laughs> stuff on the wall. But then, yeah, we had to get changed and we had to do the big long walk over to the stadium. And, uh, yeah, we went out and we won the game and history ever after. So so interesting, isn't it? When you, yeah, I think when you kind of delve back and and kind of look at some of the things that that happened in in yesteryear, I can't I can't imagine that happening these days. And if it did, I think that I think Fox League or Channel Nine or whoever would make such a big deal about it that uh, the West Tigers or the Dragons or whoever it might be had to had to walk from the Sydney Creek Ground yeah. across to the, to the new Sydney Football Stadium. Exactly. It's just one of those kind of things that probably like remains in in folklore for for a lot of teams. Probably hasn't ha- hasn't happened many times and probably won't happen again, Josh. Oh, exactly right. And, you know, we didn't even blink. We just thought that was part and parcel. That's what you do. But as, as you said, today it would be like front page of the paper, making blokes walk across to, you know, to a grand final. But, um, yeah, mate, I wouldn't change it for bits. We uh, we won the game and we were the toast of Campbelltown for about a month. Um, I, didn't know, I don't think I paid for a beer for two months. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the hangover still hangs around. What was the progression of your career like after that? Because I know just previously you said you'd kind of plied your trade in reserve grade a little bit and then you got that opportunity in 21s. After winning that premiership, how did, how did I guess, did, uh, individually and personally for you, how did your career progress at Western Suburbs? Um, yeah, after the 21s grand final, I sort of progressed pretty fast because um, you know, Warren Ryan was there still and we had a good talk in the off-season. He told me what he had to work on and get sorted. So... And I ended up playing a couple of games of first grade. And it was funny, the first time he, he said to me, he said, mate, I'm going to play you in first. He said, I was going to play you in first grade this week, but we're playing Canberra at home. And he said, I don't want to throw you in against these massive monsters. Mm. And I'm like, okay, and I was disappointed. But then we got flogged in first grade. And then he came up to me on Tuesday night and said, mate, I know I didn't want to throw you in against the Canberra Raiders, but I'm going to put you up against the Broncos of the Broncos. <laughs> and I just went, that was, a, that was even worse. So I was out in the... Um, Leading up to that game, I was that nervous, and then the first scrum, I I felt like I wanted to get Alfie's autograph. Mm. Um, uh, I was that, you know, it's just like we're playing an international side then, and we hung in there. We went all right up there first game, but um, you know, we ended up getting beat. But yeah, it was a, another. It was just a blur. I still can't remember the game. It was that went that fast. So it was uh, it was good times. 
Was that your first grade debut or had that come previously, Josh? That was my first grade debut, Brisbane and Brisbane. Yeah, wow. So, and, uh, what, what was yeah. what what was that experience like? I guess not just not just the game, but I guess the the lead up to that when you you got the news from Warren. Well, I didn't sleep for three days. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just stared at the roof because I'm I'm all I kept thinking about is who we're playing. Well, we're playing the Broncos, and as you can remember, they were the they virtually had the Australian side as their mm. side, and they were yeah you know, they were that arrogant. They walked through our warm up when we we're warming really? up. Really. Yeah, they walked straight through us, and no one – they just didn't look at us. They just walked straight through us and just went to where their warm-up section was, and we just sort of all stood there and froze and went, oh, my God. And that was the way the Broncos were back then. They were mm. that arrogant, and but they knew they were good, so they could do anything they want. And, um, yeah, as I said, our blokes just froze and sort of – we were beaten but we were beaten right then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how the Broncos were, and that's how Wayne wanted them to be, and that's how they were good. But I tell you what, we – and yeah, you, know, you go back in time, and this is what you always go back to. Is uh, mm. after the game, we went back to City Rails with all the Brisbane blokes and had the best night of our lives. And yeah, you know, they, they were great blokes, and we all got on. Yeah, well, it's kind of understandable, isn't it? That yeah, uh, that they'd won the comp in '92, won again in '93. Yeah, you kind of look at the the Penrith side now, and I think kind of people have have thrown things around about them being arrogant and cocky. Oh, but it's probably exactly. something that just comes with the territory a little bit when you when you're that good. It's that that swagger, that air of confidence, isn't it? And and Brisbane Mate, certainly had plenty of that. <laughs> exactly right. Every team at Windsor comp's got a bit of arrogance about them because they don't respect the teams they're playing. That's the thing they've got to you know get into their mindset, and that's how the you know the superstar teams win the comps, and that's what Penrith are doing now. They don't care. They don't care who they play. They know they're going to win. What uh, me- what memories do you do you have um, of that kind of off season heading into to nineteen ninety four? Because yeah, you play that game against um, against Brisbane. Um, you get some opportunities in. I think you play thirteen first grade games in in nineteen ninety four. What yeah. was I guess the off season or, or nineteen ninety four like for you? And the fact that you were actually playing a bit more consistently and you you're a proper first grader. Not that you're not when you you play a game here or there, but you were you were definitely a part of that that first grade side in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, well, Warren took me out for dinner. Warren Ryan took me out for dinner and we had to talk about it. And he's virtually said to me, mate, you're my number seven. So I want you to prepare you know, well and bulk up a bit, like they used to always say. Um, and then, you know, again, it was just, it was hard. It was, even back then, we were running hard. We were, you know, we had a, our weights coach was Bruce Walsh. He was the Australian Olympics weights mm. trainer. And I was doing weights I've never done before. I think I was sore for three months of the preseason because I've never done weights like this yeah. before. And, um Rest in peace, Bruce Walsh passed away at the end of that year. But we, um, yeah, we trained really hard, and yeah, we we had some good players. Some players left, but um, yeah, man, I was looking forward to it. You know, I got a couple of injuries along the way, which didn't help that year. Um, I could have played more, but you know, playing first grade, and I was my first first grade game. I ran out. I was sixty nine kilos. Yeah, wow. And doing that these days, you'd end up you'd get squashed. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, t- I tell people my first first grade game. They go, "How heavy were you?" I said, "I oh, was 69 kilos," and they'll just they'll just shake their head. Yeah, you know, it's you know unheard of these days. So, um, yeah, so I had I had to bulk up, which I did. I put a bit of weight on, which I felt comfortable in myself. Um, but then, yeah, just couldn't wait for the season to start. And uh, yeah, had a pretty good year. But yeah, I, as I said, a few injuries along the way, which missed a few games, which dampened me. Yeah, you know, the year a bit. <laughs> 
great to have Josh on the podcast. I'm looking forward to playing you part two of our chat next week on episode 156 of the Red V podcast. Some really good yarns in that part one chat and some even better ones in our part two conversation, uh, which we'll play for you next week. As I said a little bit earlier in the podcast, we'll be uh, previewing the positions for the Dragons come January 16. So uh, please uh, get your thoughts and your questions in a little bit close to that date. Um, Think of uh, some of the questions you might want to uh, send the way of myself and Curtis Woodward. And we'd love to love to uh, yeah uh, dissect uh, what you guys think, what you think the the best seventeen looks like for the Dragons. What do you think Anthony Griffin's seventeen is going to look like? Looking forward to bring that to you uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Next week we'll have part two of our chat with Josh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to playing that with you, and maybe a few other. Uh, play uh, ex-players we might be uh, jumping on the podcast in the lead up to uh, the 2023 season but I trust that you're, you're staying safe and looking after yourself and enjoying time with family and friends happy new year once again to you all Dragons fans really appreciate the support that not only you gave, uh, gave us last year but but every year um, that uh, that you guys tune in and support the podcast and those that are that are giving financially uh, it's not taken for granted at all and we really do um, appreciate you um, as well so don't forget if you do want to support us financially just to help the running of the podcast page Patreon.com forward slash Red V Podcast One is uh, is the way for you to do that. But thanks so much, fans. Uh, look after yourself. God bless. And we'll see you next week for episode 156 of the Red V Podcast. Let's go, those mighty dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network.